0: Ice cream man, ice cream man, <laughs> XO, XO in the same house. I'm coming from Jackspot. So, you know, sorry if my audio quality is not as good or as bad, but uh, yeah. Well, shoot, this is couch
1: co-op. And so we're, we're couch co-oping and it's the sidekicks. And, you know, Dave's always been my sidekick. So uh... <laughs> it's perfect.
2: Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op video game podcast. It's kind of like a book club only for video game nerds. My name is Matt. I'm joined by Jack and Dave. And today we're going to talk video game sidekicks. But before we dive into that, we like to go around the table and discuss what we've been playing lately. So Jack, what have you been up to lately? What's on your hard drive at the moment?
1: I finished Psychonauts 2, and the deeper I got into that game, the more I enjoyed it. Um, I'm very happy that it got a a Game of the Year nominee last year, because if it hadn't, I probably wouldn't have taken the time to check it out. And basically just excellent writing, excellent craftsmanship. I mean, this is a double-A game, but it really felt like they put a lot of time into it. The worlds were creative, and there was just all sorts of like nooks and crannies. Uh, A big element of the game is collectibles, and a lot of times that frustrates me, like having this thing pulling you away from the action, but everything was so fun to look at and kind of immerse yourself in that going for the collectibles just kind of added to the experience. I I was less concerned with like the challenges of the level and more of just like being surrounded by zany kooky characters and these crazy art palettes uh speaking of which one of the cool things was that different levels had completely different art styles Um, not something you see very often the whole premise is you know you're jumping in and out of these people's minds and so every single mind you go into it's just got a whole different theme and artistic style and so when i first started playing the game I wasn't blown away right away because you don't quite just see how many different ways they can go with it. So it's really like one of those things that outside of one excessively long level with the character who just burps the entire time and makes obnoxious comments, all the levels were really creative and fun and uh, really recommend this game for anybody who has any kind of interest in like single player adventures um, because it's, uh, yeah, just, just a really, um, cool, cool time.
2: Perfect. Uh, sounds amazing, Jack. And also your description of it sounds very comparable to the game. I just put away as well, uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, my experience was very comparable in that I started it off and I had a lot of reservations about it, despite, you know, Dave really, you know, t- telling me multiple times, you're know, like, you gotta play this game. You gotta play this game. And, uh, you know, finally got around to it, especially coming off of Elden Ring, which, had practically no dialogue and no storyline and dove into this very well constructed universe. And, and after a while, I just fell in love with it um, largely because I I found at first, like, even though I wasn't really getting into it, like I found when I was away from it, I was spending more time thinking about that game than I have in a long time. Um, Just like going through the different plot points or different characters, you know, rethinking how I could have done certain decisions. So, had a lot of fun with that. Completed it, and looking forward to talking to Dave about it in the future. Um, since putting that one away, um, I needed something a little more action-heavy, so I finally got around to Cuphead now. So I've oh. gotten through about three bosses now, and really enjoying that as well. So, Dude, uh, if, if,
1: if Dave were interested in that as a uh, as a multiplayer, I I could easily be talked into that because I mean I beat that game like five years ago uh But they've released the DLC, uh or at least they're going to. I'm not sure if it's out yet. It's, it's gonna I be out sometime.
2: Believe it came out today. That that oh, was part yeah. of the reason I I picked it up finally was my brother had mentioned to me that the DLC was on its way, so I was like, I'll I've been meaning to get to this one for a while. So great excuse. What do you think about Cuphead so far, Matt? I love it. it it's precisely what I needed, especially coming off of Elden Ring, and then feeling a lack of a structured plot. So then I dove into Disco. And then coming off of that, I need something very action heavy and dumb, but at the same time, unique and Cuphead, it just hits all those parameters. I'm very much enjoying that game. And uh, I I, I really appreciate it because I've always liked those style of games, but they typically are too difficult for me when you add the levels to it. So I like that it's basically just a boss rush, like they toss a few levels in there, you know, for little bonuses or whatever but you can tell they're an afterthought and that the boss portion is like the meat and potatoes of it and and those i think are just perfection
1: my understanding is they completely left the run and gun missions out of the dlc because the consensus was that those were the weakest parts of the game and really what people were into was the like you said the boss fights which are par par none i mean for stylistically and uh at least on xbox was just like very crystal uh precision on the controls and yeah
2: No, precisely uh from my understanding uh, again through my brother he had mentioned i believe when they were doing the initial release that they they tacked those on just to kind of boost up the replayability and just give it a little more depth, but fearing that the boss rush thing would put people off. But I, I think a lot of people, like I said, grew up playing games like Contra and stuff and really enjoyed part of it. It's just they're too damn hard to get all the way through a level and then fight a boss. And there's something really nice about Cuphead, just being able to just keep running your head into a difficult boss over and over and not have to be concerned how many times you die and not have to care, you know, until you get the pattern down to do it. So really enjoying that one as well. <laughs> Dave, what have you been up to, man?
0: Uh, I just finished Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy last night. Um, I I tried to push this as like a game that all three of us should play, and I'm really glad that I didn't, because uh, I think as, I'm not, I'm not casual, but I'm not a pro gamer, and I guess in some definitions, but Uh, I found like the combat to be just kind of so simple that it became kind of boring and so much of that game is based on it that it just kind of ended up becoming a slog after the first like five missions because I just ended up realizing that like so much of this I mean there's small stuff that were added on to spice it up Um, the strengths though are the design of the levels are gorgeous um, when you're not trying to like tread through them in a way. I guess when you get those scenes where they kind of got everything spread out, you kind of realize you're in a pretty cool area. Um, I will say the one thing is though, their team dynamic, uh, how they structured that is fantastic because when you're on the ship, um, most of the time there's a running conversation going on between the different crewmates or like one crewmate did something another one didn't like and you know something funny came from it or you'll see them interacting at different points and you can go interject and it kind of gives you a little bit more history on the characters. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. And as for as many games as I played where you got teammates like that's pretty rare to see this constant interaction. Um, But I will say that there's just so much storyline and characterization that you feel like you get involved in these five minute long. therapy sessions from like the crew and you know it's just like i understand you're kind of building character and stuff but it got to the point where i just start getting bored where i was like i'm okay i'm over it you know like so um i was pretty glad to finish the game and i thought the ending was pretty cool that you know the bosses at the end were legit they did this fake ending thing i knew something was up you know i was like there was this indication like at the end of the game where like something funny was happening and i don't know if you guys are going to play it but um there's a the main villain ends up becoming magus and you end up uh getting um he's like the gold dude that's gonna be in the next movie i forget what his character is
2: oh um, adam warlock or
0: adam warlock's in it so he plays a really cool role because he's like super serious and he's like on this cosmic level and he's dealing with all these like misfits and miscreants but at the end he's he's looking out the window and he's like coughing and kind of gagging and everyone's like you okay and then as the credits are rolling like some names are like flipping to magus and all this stuff and then eventually it breaks into like a true fight huh. boss scene. and it's actually got a lot of comedy in it like the main goal is to piss the bad guy boss off enough to where he gets his head close enough to you to be able to do something to start the fight so uh there's some legit parts but for the most part outside of the flash and glitz of the game and you know the mechanics of the teammates interacting it's it's a pretty just adequate game i know ign and a few other like reviewers that you know i pay attention to uh paid gave it a lot of credit based on those mechanics but just because it's so simple that i was just like man um i'd rather go play division or division two if i gotta shoot something up there's way more challenge to it there's more of a payoff you know so um yeah guardians you know i kind of give it like a five out of ten and honestly like if it's a game where you harsh (laughs) harsh review from dave (laughs) it's so boring like there's parts in spider-man where i get bored but it takes a while and then but this is you're like bored within like an hour and a half into it you know so um you know just walking around the levels like there's all these hiding spots to get you know like storyline stuff or outfits and they're just so easy to find you know that you just kind of like all right like i'm gonna go get this and then i'll get back on the track so um yeah i mean outside some good character stuff but yeah I, i would recommend it as you know like I'm super bored and I kind of want some chuckles so I'll give it a shot so uh, but I will be I'm working on the Disco Elysium uh, Platinum so I'll be touching base back on that game even though I've gone through it three times I intend to go through it more times because um, we'll talk about it there's so many different ways to approach it or characters open up different information based on different attributes you have or the way you approach them or where you approach them in the storyline after a certain event. So uh, there's all sorts of crazy things about that game. So I'm excited about that.
2: Well, it's actually what inspired this conversation today is largely, you know, me playing through that. And we all agreed that Lieutenant Kitsuragi is one of their favorite sidekicks we've ever dealt with. You know, Kit uh, just manages to keep that plot moving along and he, is a pleasant character to interact with despite you know however you want to play your main character you can take him in a wide array of directions uh particular too you're coming off a game guardians where uh there's multiple different characters on screen interacting constantly so i guess to jump into a conversation with sidekicks and video games um what are your thoughts gentlemen like what makes a good sidekick in a video game versus a bad sidekick or even what is considered a sidekick and just like a power-up because there's definitely some characters that fall into that category where is this truly actually somebody who's like helping you out or is this just an a fancy way of adding items and stuff into your inventory as you play i think it could be a couple different
1: things it's got to either add to the depth of the gameplay or the depth of the, of the narrative which makes you care about the gameplay. One challenge I had was trying to avoid characters that were partners with you but not necessarily sidekicks because uh, most of my instincts were to like think of games like It Takes Two where you're running around with the second character. Uh, there's a lot of examples of that where you, or, or a different example would be like Luigi. Um, a sidekick, yes, but they don't really, con- like, at least in the original Mario games that I was into, Luigi doesn't add anything to your your gameplay, he's just a second playable character. Um, as far as, like, it takes two, it's not a sidekick so much as it's like somebody working in tandem with you. Um, so those were kind of the distinctions I made when making my selections, but other than that, I was pretty open-minded with and and two of my selections are um, definitely are are uh, stretching it a little, but
0: we we asked I asked other questions like, for example, are any of the are there any sidekicks in Hades? And you brought up a good point when you said that, like you know, is it a power up or is it like someone that actually is like kind of sticks with the main character through a good chunk of the game you know, and ultimately like Hades, we felt like didn't really have any sidekicks. It doesn't, you know, but uh, you can take a really big example and a sidekick and say, you know, is there anyone as relevant as Ellie or you know atreus you know whatever that might be but you know so
2: i'm well, pretty <laughs> sure you just ruined jack's <laughs> choice there.
0: <laughs> what the fuck man <laughs> well no i'm just saying those are good examples of like a sidekick
2: yeah they were something. good examples <laughs> well, this well, is perfect though because honestly like the reason i ask is one of my cho- top choices with was, was elizabeth from uh, bioshock infinite i actually really enjoyed her character because i thought she helped the plot along But at the same time, like what her actual role is, is more or less just an excuse to hand you items while you're in the middle of a combat in a creative way. Um, Personally, I enjoyed having her. Like, I think that she, while nowhere near on par with Ellie in The Last of Us, there was still kind of that, or even Atreus for that matter, there was still kind of that element of, you know, you want to protect her, especially when you got bullets flying everywhere and that game's so chaotic at times so and there's something pretty cool about running low on ammo and then all of a sudden having shotgun shells appear right in your face you know her handing them to you so um but like i said i she doesn't really contribute much like in terms of combat or anything other than that like she interacts with you from time to time but honestly for a lot of the time she stays out of the way um, and just serves as kind of a power-up but i think a bit more because i agree with you dave like it's not Hades as much as I love all of those characters they're not true sidekicks as they really do it really is just a fancy special move that just so happens to feature them when you you uh summon it as opposed to like a true actual character interacting with you more beyond just when you're outside of the action arena
0: yeah and there's there's other ways of approaching it like is Roach or Torrent a sidekick I mean they're steeds but I mean they I don't want to say torrent but roach from witcher 3 you know has its own has her own quest you know where you take some uh you take some mushrooms some uh, psychedelics and basically you can start speaking with your horse but your horse sounds like a dude even though it's a female it's a pretty interesting mission it, it, there's a lot of humor to it you know but you know it's meant to it's meant to like give roach some more depth so does roach become a psychic or You know, Torrent doesn't really say or do anything, but Torrent is something that you can summon almost any point during the game, you know, and try to approach the fight or the area in a certain way as opposed to, you know, being on foot. You know, maybe you want to skip through all this stuff, so Torrent is a good sidekick because you go through it, but, you know, Torrent's not going to give you any story, you know, advancement or anything of that sort.
2: Well, I was just going to say, like, I'm glad you brought that up because actually one of the characters that I was considering and and I was going to leave off, but you're talking me into it was there's actually the horse, which has multiple names because you can pick it in Ghost of Tsushima. Um, that character, actually, it's just like, you know, go, um, Torrent and that like you can summon him in and, you know, use it to move throughout the map in a quick manner. but. Um, they wove that horse into a major plot point in that game that is just like, I I won't ruin it because it it is a good game and I I hope people do go out and enjoy it. But um, I was very impressed how they utilize it as actually a major character arc um, for seemingly just a character that only exists as a means of transportation. But it's like, um, there's just subtle ways that they like, because of the presence of it constantly, it just you know you do form a bit of a connection, which is something that happens, I think, with any kind of video game like that that is expansive, and you have long periods of time where you're just kind of navigating a map, where you realize how little things mean much more to you in that regard. But uh, going from that, Jack, you know, I have to ask because it seems like you picked the two best ones that I could think of as well. Uh, so, what was your logic? Like, like walk me through like with Ellie, like beyond like we all kind of have a general idea but especially you uh you know i want to hear what a father has to say about their impression of ellie well we've covered
1: this a lot in previous pods so i won't go on at length uh but i think the main contribution of ellie i mean yeah you can say that it's a good sidekick and that um ellie in, in the first last of us when when she is the sidekick she doesn't provide or she doesn't get in the way, she remains silent, she doesn't interfere with the gameplay, even though she's she's always present. And then at, some, at a, a certain point, you actually get a play as her. Uh, but really what I think Ellie adds to that is, is and, and Naughty Dogs, particularly in the Last of Us series, does it so well, is they bring in characters that, what could otherwise be kind of a one-dimensional game, they bring in characters that really provide the emotional oomph of that game. And that game, uh last of us it's it's so dark that it needs a heart, and that's what Ellie brings. She brings the emotional the 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 reason why you want to care about the world, the reason why you want to care about the main character, which is Joel, but Joel's not really likable without Ellie. Ellie's the one that brings all the just that that reason that makes you care about this world. and I mean. It's kind of cool because Ellie's the sidekick in the first one. But going forward to the second one, and if, if you're going to touch base on any of these characters, please cut me off. Uh, the second one, Ellie's no longer the sidekick. Ellie's out on her own and they bring in three sidekicks for the second one, but they all provide something. That game doesn't really have a heart anymore because Ellie's Ellie's there, like you care about her. You know, you you don't need a reason to care about this character. You've already got the history, you know the, you know, all the reasons why you want to root for these characters. But what it does lack is is just any kind of laughter and lightheartedness. It's such a dark, grim game. So they bring in these three characters, Jesse, Manny, and Dina, who all just are like brimming with life and just bring like this necessary sunshine into the game without those characters it would have just been this claustrophobic slog that it almost at certain points in the game it really does kind of dip into so having these sidekicks um there to really to really just bring the emotions that that kind of um make you care about the worlds uh is 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 why this is like the number one games i think of when i think of sidekicks uh my other two examples are are much different kind of um ideas
2: i was gonna say like you're absolutely right with all your points there and the second one i think that that's why my initial first impression of the second one wasn't as great because i didn't have nearly as much connection those three characters the first time around I, i just felt like they stood out too much as that's the reason they were there was just to bring a bit of lightness to an otherwise extremely dark experience. Um, I appreciate them much more the second go around. I think getting some space from just getting through the main plot and like being able to appreciate the game again, like for everything it offered, because I think what made me really appreciate Ellie so much as a character in the first one is, and I think why it's one of my favorite games is largely because she brings so many of the set pieces in that stand out because of those long drawn out conversations you have, where you're just kind of approaching the action area, or if you're just kind of when they're milling about like Joel and her, just their rapport is so on point. Cause you're right, Jack, like another one is like Sully and Nathan Drake, like their rapport was like kind of sold the early uncharted games of just like the way they feed off each other and their energy is so great. And it helps lend itself to, the pace and what you're expecting and with Joel and Elliot was kind of like this such an innocent conversation knowing full well you're about to enter into an action set piece where they're both going to be like running for their lives and fighting off all sorts of gnarly things be it human or creature so i think that yeah she's one of the best examples in the first one of a character who just like conveys a real humanity Uh, that really like takes you away from just the classic video game trope of just being a figure running through running and gunning anything that gets in your way. And really, I think that so much of what made the ending of that game stand out was just how much you grow to care for her as a character and how, It does force you to really, really consider if you were in Joel's position, you know, the response that you would have, because even though like we all tend to agree that he's a murderous horrible bastard, there is that that part where it's like, well, you messed with the wrong gal. So, um, but yeah, I, I really can't say enough about, you know, how much that sidekick character really sells those games and makes it what they are. So. Um, but another one that we're moving on from, unless Dave, you have any thoughts on Ellie with The Last of Us.
0: No, I just as far as when the sidekick, sidekick topic came up, that she was probably one of my first thoughts, you know, just straight off the bat, how much depth she adds. But she also does add to the game. I mean, there's numerous times where I saw Ellie on someone's back, you know, that would have, you know, otherwise been giving me much more hard a harder fight. You know so it, it's actually nice having like in a sidekick that would you know add depth to the fight in the sense that she might have a saving like blow or something like that so but i'm you know i wanted to avoid her because i thought you know that you know she's obviously the top one so i kind of wanted to touch base on some that you know i've, I've experienced throughout my gaming life that really added some you know depth to the video games i was playing
2: so why don't you give us an example then? Because I know that you've played a wide array of games like outside of some of the ones that Jack and I have tackled. Um, so particularly, I know you played a number of shooters and other games like that, but I'm curious to see which, where your mind went after, uh, you said LA was first one, but what, what about after that?
0: Well, uh, you know, this kind of like also streams a little bit off the uh, <laughs> emotional spectrum, but I think on the far end of it, and uh <clears throat> the sidekick I want to talk about is from Knights of the Old Republic. And it's HK 47, who just ended up becoming, I think, my favorite side character that whole game, you know, especially once I discovered, you know, how to get him and activate him and he became my uh meat bag master, you know, or I became his meatbag master. But man, I, I just never came across a sidekick up to that point in my life because I got the game when it first came out that, you know, was just I hate everything, you know, please give me an excuse to kill this person. Um, I'm more than happy to kill everyone. I think one of my favorite lines I was looking him up was, you know, I could go assassinate all the politicians on Coruscant, but you, you know, even after a few decades, there'd still be too many for me to kill off, you know? So I think he brings a reflection onto a game where, you know, you go light side or dark side. And even if you do have him on the light side, he still fits, but he still fits really good on the dark side as well, you know, because he brings a lot of humor to the game in the sense that, oh, hey, this person insulted you. Would you like me to kill him for you? You know, <laughs> like he's, he's just so funny. And, you know, he has his own backstory where, you know, he got turned into this like merciless assassin and then eventually ended, I believe he ended up killing his master at some point because of some weird loophole. And then he ends up having to do a bunch of other stuff before you you know, you pick him up and he gets on your crew. And then you find out that, you know, at one point, you know, he recognizes you eventually and you know starts realizing that at one point you guys were a team. So, you know, you got your sidekick back, and it's a ruthless assassin droid that, you know, is more than happy to kill anything that isn't robotic. You know, he refers to everything as a meat bag. He's impressed that. We have so much liquid in us, and we can stand hearing all the sloshing around when we walk. So, I mean, I think the the detachment from humanity also makes him a great sidekick. But yet, all of his emotions are towards the hatred end of the spectrum. So,
2: yeah, no surprise that that's one of your top selections for the prime sidekick, the most hateful robot in the galaxy.
0: He's so awesome you know everything starts off with inquiry would you like me to kill this meat bag for you master he seems to be insulting you you know so it's just it's so much fun having that voice just interject into the conversation where you know my first playthrough was dark side so it was like yeah kill this guy (laughs) like let's take him out so um (laughs) great uh and you know off the beaten path i don't think jack's played it but i'm pretty sure you have at some point in your life so
2: yeah, no, I, I remember that one. So I, I'm really glad actually that you harken back to a game that is from an earlier era of gaming that, that we all weren't like, I don't think any of us were uh, talking about them back then or knew each other yet. So um, Jack, what else do you have for sidekicks for us?
1: Well, uh, building on Plumber's Droid, I don't know if it's the most hated droid in the universe because I, I'm, I'm dipping into Portal 2. And this is in honor of uh, the Switch releasing the uh, Portal pack yesterday. I've been waiting for close to a decade to play the original Portal. Uh, I don't have uh, easy access to a PC. And I was always trying to hunt it down on Xbox, but it was always a pain in the butt. And so I'm pumped. Uh, Last night I scooped up the uh, Portal pack. And sometime in the next few weeks I'm going to play the original Portal. but. Um, Portal 2 has a character, uh, a droid, um, Wheatley, that is well-renowned, and it's kind of cool because the main uh, character of Portal is a human, but all the life, the humor, the fun from that game comes from these two robots wheatley and glados uh glados being the uh villain early on in the in the game and it's wheatley instantly like you wake up and it's just pulls you into this world with these fun quips and like uh just talking about the world but like making it uh kind of i don't know there's just a humor and um so basically he he uh he she i don't know uh the robot leads you through this through this um through this area and is just always there kind of providing commentary giving you you know a a pathway and eventually there's some pretty cool uh twists that come along with the character i won't get into those right now because i i uh, i'm hoping some of our listeners are picking up that switch pack just as i am and are going to be able to experience what is one of the three or four best puzzle games that has ever been released but um i am really looking forward to popping on portal one
2: yeah uh, steven merchant uh is the voice actor for that one and he's always hilarious so uh i've heard nothing but amazing things he pops up that character pops up on almost every list of like just beloved video game characters in general so uh no surprise given your pension for puzzle games that you made that one as well i was c- curious to get your opinion because i didn't know if you found them annoying or not so that's awesome dave thoughts
0: yeah is he more like the paper clip from microsoft or guilty spark from halo i mean like you you know the the paperclip always giving you tutorial stuff on old Microsoft. Oh, yeah. It's and, been
1: a while. But what's the other one? What's the other reference?
0: Guilty Spark is a robot that you find in Halo and it seems like it's your friend. until it's like, oh, by the way, you're helping me to like set this thing off. That's going to destroy all life on the planet. I would you're say like, more
1: Guilty oh. Spark.
0: <laughs> okay. All right,
1: definitely me. a lot more, uh, definitely a lot more personality than that paperclip.
0: <laughs>
2: <that
0: much. laughs> well, which one's a villain in that? comparison i suppose
2: <laughs> um all right well hell i we should go back and give a little more shine to him because uh, like i said i'm fresh off playing disco so i do want to talk a bit more about uh lieutenant kim katsuragi um that was
0: my third so well yeah. just share him, i suppose
2: yeah so i just again that game you know the joy of it being that you can kind of make multiple decisions or choose to play it however you you see fit and you know he provides such a nice balance to it uh one of the things i thought found in my personal playthrough that i thought was really really cool and i won't say a lot about this because quite frankly i it's not really much to say but um the manner in which you find out he's gay i thought was just so awesome of a representation Um, just in the sense that like the only way he really comes up other than subtle hints like potentially and really you can really early find them in hindsight is if you learn the thought where your character just basically dwells on homosexuality and it allows him to ask the question of cameo are you gay and he just casually is just like yep and that's it There's no, like, typically in video games when there's, you know, a character who happens to be gay, you know, male, it's usually because there's a love interest component to it or there's some factor like that. And this is just like a casual, like, yep, and nothing more of it comes. And that's that.
0: You know, that's crazy that we're talking about, Kim, because uh, I've never experienced that before. Um, I I haven't gotten to it. And that's the magic of that game is that you just expose something that, you know, I haven't had. Which is fine, yeah. You know, I don't feel like it's a spoiler, but you know that was just that that attribute point that you had and followed through was one that never really ca- came up because maybe I just didn't invest in that particular like you know part of a personality. So uh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't realize Kim was gay. I mean, that's pretty
1: cool because Dave has been trying to platinum this game. So he's done. Have you done three playthroughs at this point? Yes, sir. And with how much dialogue and obviously like there's so much to that game that that would just never dave would never run into that specific option is pretty wild and and
2: really speaks
1: to how in depth that that game is
0: i really yeah. I, i'm sorry go ahead
2: no, no, I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the joy of it is just seeing how thorough they were with the different plot points and all that. And like I said, I just think it's so cool. The fact that like, it's not like one of those things that like hides in plain sight throughout. It's, it's very much, he's just a character and that just happens to be a dialogue thing. And mind you, the thought, the only reason the thought pops up is if you have excessive conversation with the only two other gay characters that I'm aware of. In the game, which are a male prostitute and his politician lover, which are just, you know, classic stereotypes. So it's actually really refreshing if you badger them relentlessly with questions that you can gain this thought and actually with the thought the only perk you get from it is actually your character tequila, or Harry or whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, loses the ability to give a shit about people's like he stops obsessing over their sexuality <laughs> like he just like finally gets to a place where he's no longer concerned about everything but it only comes from like reaching this place where he can just ask Kim, like wait are you gay or maybe i'm gay <laughs> like so uh
0: the thing with kim is i feel like he is almost like written to be a fit tight over the lead we'll go with Tequila Sunrise, because that's one of his coolest personalities. But um, that's what I loved about Kim, was that no matter how crazy your character got, he was always in a position to kind of base, base it back on Earth and to reinforce the main character in that, hey, you messed up, let's keep going. You know, I see. I see that you are doing things. And his eternal patience, but also his like sense of humor, which is very dry. And, you know, and it only comes in like small parts in the sentences when, you know, for example, one was talking about how legendary tequila sunrise must be around the police precinct. And he's like, oh, if you only knew, you know, <laughs> that's where the humor is because yeah, the whole precinct knows him and it's all over the place, you know, so um, that that's what really drew me to Kim. It wasn't, you know, I didn't even pick up on the fact that he was gay. I know he was in the cars, you know. I know he's kind of like an Asian stereotype in this world, in a sense, and he has had to dealt with racism. And but yet he's this uh, person that takes his job very seriously, you know. And his job is to work with this detective from a different precinct on, you know, a case, and he trudges through with you. And there's an ending I get where, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, where Kim leaves you. And then you pick up another detective to help you out and you know that becomes your sidekick and you know when i tell you who it is it's gonna blow your mind but uh once you switch over you realize like what you're missing in kim like how he adds to cases or what he has to say about certain cases being picked up as opposed to the other sidekick detective that you would pick up on a different playthrough um so uh that's I mean, Kim ultimately became one of my favorites in a sense and really, like I told you, Matt, was held that game together for me because I don't know if I could have gone through that without him basing it back into reality. Like you just running around with this crazy detective with nothing bouncing off of him, you know, is what I think made that dynamic really good and is kind of like a secret engine to that game.
2: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and I'm sure we'll discuss him a bit more too when we do discuss disco at length. Cause again, I, I think that we just touched on briefly just how awesome that game is, the fact that we can all have different experiences. You got to tell me who who's the replacement if you lose Kim. Cause I tried really hard to irritate him and I still ended up having him at the end. So,
0: what do you want me to tell you?
2: Yeah, you got it. You got to spoil. I don't think I'm playing it again. I'll tell you that
0: well kim kim dies in the shootout gotcha if you fail it and um kuno ends up becoming if if he did the right things with kuno kuno ends up becoming your detective partner so <laughs> <having> that, that, <laughs> your detective is amazing in its own rights <laughs> i mean it's just like it's not kim you know, and you know, it's kind of like as I was playing through with it, I was like, Kim would have something way smarter to say as a <laughs> you know, interpretation of what is happening with the You know, so you know,
2: that's perfect.
0: Kuno, <laughs> Kuno doesn't know. Kuno's just a kid. <laughs> like
1: Kuno, don't give a shit. <laughs> so, uh,
0: yeah, so that's why I was like, you know, Kim is one of the better sidekicks i think out there you know outside of ellie and you know atreus like he's probably one of the top ones
2: so let's dive into atreus then jack did you have any thoughts or consideration for him on your list
0: actually i'm gonna go a
1: different route uh, yes. it's pride month so i'm going with Madeline from celeste okay and, uh, madeline is the main character Never actually called battling in the story, but um, basically, what Celeste, the backbone of the what is amazing gameplay that we've talked at length about, is that it's this uh, character who's dealing with depression and anxiety, stress, trying to accomplish climbing up this mountain, which is kind of a metaphor for the trials and tribulations in life. And early on in the game, a character appears in the mirror, a reflection of a dark reflection of herself that is really just like the negative personification of the character and as it goes on this character battling is is basically a deterrent at one point it's chasing Madeline, and you have to you know go through all these obstacles and it's it's trying to get you and Throughout the story, Madeline is always trying to beat Madeline down, just give it all this terrible like life advice and negativity, and Madeline's constantly shooting back at at this creature that is is dragging you know as a and it turns into like this pretty um, meaty uh, story and and really provides a lot of emotional depth. And you might be asking like where's the sidekick portion of this? Well, what's cool is Madeline starts to come to grips with who who they are and all of a sudden towards the very end of the game, the two merge and become one because they accept Madeline accepts who they are. And throughout the last level you get, um, I mean, this is a 2D platformer. So you have a jump and then you get a dash. But once Battle and merges, you all of a sudden get the double dash, which is an awesome gameplay mechanic. That's like double jump, but it's a double dash. It's way better. And so just to have like this story narrative that is in the beginning of villain, um, have this seamless narrative um, thing where they, they become one. And it adds to the structure of the game and then throughout the final world they work together to to come to a conclusion in the game it's it's just really it's 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 a beautiful story and uh something that really kind of provides a, a backbone to what is an incredible game uh, but sorry matt i interrupted you i just no uh, no
2: i i actually let's run with this because i actually want to say something too on that um Thank you for bringing that up because I didn't even really consider that, but you're absolutely right. Like the finale of, of the game. And mind you, I didn't do any of the extra special Jack stuff (laughs) to get the super secret ending. I just completed the main campaign, but the main ending is phenomenal for that very reason of just like you go through all this with this nemesis. And then when they merge, it's such an awesome feeling, like just as you're crushing those last levels with that new power up. And I, I just think it's remarkable because it's such a personal tale of the creator of the game, uh, who you know it, it really is their their own personal life story told through the narrative of video game, and so that just like on top of that, I think was just so cool to like experience like this thought process of dealing with their own struggles and their own difficulties with coming into acceptance and whatnot, and just you know managing to do that on top of one of the best like jumping mechanics I've ever experienced in a video game is pretty boss move as far as i'm concerned because uh quite typically you know plot is the lowest priority with a platformer And in that case they nailed it and like i said the level of excitement even though at the end there is no true antagonist like it really is just you versus the mountain kind of and you still have that rush that you would get facing off against a big boss in any other more traditional video game for sure
1: yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, the studio was called Matt Makes Games, and has since been, um, I mean, wherever you look at it online now, it's Maddie, because the the main developer, I mean, there there's a team of developers, but the main developer, uh, post-completion of the game, um, came out as trans, and kind of went back and said, well, the character in this game is too, and it's not spoken about in the game, but Uh, It's really embraced by the community and um, just, uh, you know, adds, it just kind of adds to the depth of it that, you know, that in the background, that what the, what the struggle is behind this character.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, well said, I really, really appreciate all of that in that game. And, and you're right. That was really cool seeing what should have been just the typical villain character really just becoming just this extra special boost and, in that regard a sidekick as, you know, in a certain special way Um, in a more very traditional, very male role. How about Atreus? What do we think about that sidekick now? Who's more combat heavy, more involved in the the meat and potatoes kind of, of action genre where supporting you throughout each and every journey. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, I think it really goes back to kind of that same backbone that Ellie provides where, um you have the god of war franchise which never really had a whole lot of emotional resonance beyond rage and revenge uh maybe loss i guess but for the most part it was a hack and slash where amazing set pieces were built around this dude just running around killing everything and then you introduce atreus and it becomes a father-son story and um i mean Many people consider this one of the best video games of all time, and it it is built around the developing relationship between the two where it starts off. They're very much at a disconnect and they're both trying to grieve over the loss of the uh, maternal figure in very different ways and very separate ways because they just don't see eye to eye. And as the story progresses, well, they build this really, really, complex relationship and um i mean that's just one element the other is that atreus really adds to the gameplay like there is a mechanic similar to like uh what i imagine guardians of the galaxy has where you are directing um atreus to attack certain uh areas and
2: yeah dave what do you think about atreus
0: well that you know i was gonna bring up that you can direct him direct you can directly get him to attack a specific enemy. And with that mechanic, it changes up the battle quite a bit because you can lock up something that you don't want to deal with necessarily until you're done fighting whatever it is is the biggest threat. Or, you know, you can get him to attack like a wide group of enemies to weaken him down so that, you know, he could finish off three to four like pretty quickly. But I also felt like he adds a lot to the storyline, you know, in the same way that Ellie does, is that he is a constant plateau for the main character to continuously progress through the story. But it's almost like this shifting plateau where they're both, you know, hitting like points, you know? And I think that's where I saw similarities between Atreus and Ellie is that they both have like a very strong pathway to emotional development and growth, you know, whereas like H K 47 is the exact opposite, you know, like there is none. He's locked into just being your sidekick that wants to kill meatbags. So, I mean, I, I think that's what kind of separates that two brand of sidekick is, you know, both are very capable, but you know, how tied into the main story are they and how critical are they towards the success of it, you know, so. You know, Kim doesn't buff you or anything like that. He just is always there to tag along and he does add some points that might like change up something here and there, but he's, he's not someone where you can get him to do something for you. He's always just gonna be on your side. You know, whereas like Atreus, you can direct him more. Ellie just kind of jumped on someone. You know, you can't really get her to, you know, commit to attacking an enemy. So sometimes she's just shuffling around And, you know, one of my favorite things is, um, you know, like you would hide and then it'd be a spot where Ellie couldn't hide. So she'd run around the bad guy until she could find one and then hide, you know, and it's like she was never there. You know, Atreus, though, you know, they they fight Atreus. Atreus can go down, you know, like and you have to get him back up. So I, I feel like they just kind of shifted more mechanics over to, you know, like how they interact with the main character throughout a fight scene you know or a fight piece
2: i'm glad you bring that up because that's actually when i was thinking of trying to rack my brain for like favorite sidekicks and i was trying so hard to think of like ones from like old rpgs and specifically like the fallout universe because you go online there's always people who are like oh dog meat you know dog meat's a great sidekick and it's like no i hated dog meat because dog meat always gets killed every single time if you get dog meat and actually try to use them and then I was thinking the guy I always got in Fallout 2 was Marcus the Super Mutant because I thought he was so cool. And every single damn time I played that game and actually gave him weapons because he can only use heavy weapons. So he either uses a chain gun and would instantly mow you down or whatever other sidekicks you had with you, like first turn every single time. Or you give him a rocket launcher. What could go wrong there? First action pulls the damn thing out, shoots something right in front of him, blows you up, blows him up. Horrible AI, horrible. So give,
0: give, give him a nuke launcher, bro. It gets even funnier after all. That. <laughs> <laughs> so that's
2: so when I say that, like that's where Atreus stands out to me. Is I, I didn't have as much of the emotional connections I did with Ellie, or even honestly, like a bit less than Elizabeth in some regards. Um But what I will say with Atreus is that's one of the first sidekicks in a game where I felt like their combat like wasn't a hindrance. It only like kind of aided to the overall action of the game. Like I really appreciate how they utilized him in the combat. And I felt like if you weren't utilizing him, he still made himself useful and not just in a character who occasionally pops up and like kills somebody off screen or, you know, will sneak attack somebody for you on a random, you know, mission. Like he flat out will like contribute so i thought that was really cool and and again that only is possible with the advancements in ai that we're at uh
0: i wanted to bring up i guess is my third one but this is kind of a weird mix between the whole like steed slash sidekick thing and i'm going with uh bt7274 from titanfall 2 um not not only is he kind of like your tutorial at the beginning but then he ends up staying your sidekick through it all but also you're in in this your sidekick you know controlling him to help fight other BTS. and i just felt like he had so much personality because you're not even his original pilot you know his original pilot your mentor dies and he's basically all right pilot get in you know it's time we finish this fight so uh, I I just felt like he had so many amazing interactions, and he was he's a really good sidekick in the sense that you do have to use them to traverse, you have to use them to fight to get past battles. But he also has these amazing cutscenes where he's like, "All right, get in the palm of my hand," and then he just like launches you like a fastball special, you know, or he comes out of nowhere with like an excellent save on I believe some of the cutscenes. So. Um, And the thing is, he's not always present, you know, there's a few missions where you got to deal with some chronology stuff, you know, that's tied into the story, but, you know, that kind of makes it all that much more cooler because you're like, wow, this is a lot of fun, but, you know, I liked having BT with me, you know, this big giant hulking robot that seems like the favorite uncle, you know, so, um, B- BT to me was like a really good sidekick to bring up because not only does he carry you through the game or throw you through the game, but you, you need him to get through the game, you know, and, or, and he becomes more and more impressive the more you build him up, you know, and it just becomes so much fun utilizing him within Titanfall 2.
1: I got really excited when Plumber, when that, when this popped into uh, Plumber's head a little earlier and he I was like, oh man, because I would have completely forgotten about it. But BT does a little bit of everything. I mean, it, it moves the plot along. It it has some emotional, um, you know, bonding that that's really um, well written. And like Pullman was saying, like where you like get in the palm of its hand and that launches you. It provides a lot of like really cool mechanics to the game. One of my favorite scenes in Titanfall Two is, um, I mean. There no, no video game does this as well. It's just one scene where you have to you have to get out, and for like seven or eight minutes, all you're doing is just trying to cruise through this area, and nothing stops you. And and how the mechanic they use that is BT gives you its auto aiming system. Why you're basically moving around with it. Um, it's it's uh, a, I don't know memory chip or whatever to, to try and get it to safety. And so, all of a sudden, for one scene in the game, you have BT's auto aim chip, and you basically just roll through with this pistol and just dominate everything. It's
0: auto headshot. Auto know.
1: headshot, yeah. You know, and, it's just like
0: one. Pew, pew, pew,
1: pew, and pew, that's pew. just one of the examples of all the different mechanics this this robot uh, sidekick brings to the game that really kind of enriches it and and creates what would really have been a boring storyline if you're just rolling through, but. Um,
0: yeah and and i want to add like he's willing to sacrifice himself unlike the other ones i i believe that we're talking about you know it's like i believe there's a part where he's like you got to take my core out and you're gonna have to like you know make sure that you get through this
2: well i was gonna say i think the the big contrast and and i thank you for bringing this one up because this one totally escaped my mind like i i didn't even consider him but um I think the contrast between that and a lot of the characters we list is in most of these cases, the sidekicks that we like are the ones that you kind of are responsible for. And it gives you a bit more sense of urgency with how you're approaching the action set pieces. In BT's case, he's taking care of you the whole game. It's basically you don't do shit without BT basically like being like, you go here or like, listen, get in my hand. I'm going to throw you up here. That's how we're going to survive this. And even at the end, like Like you guys had mentioned, it's like BT is the one that, you know, is willing to say like, I'm going to die so you can live like, you know, which is basically the attitude you take when you're Joel and running around with Ellie or you're Kratos defending Atreus. Like that's supposed to be the the emotion it conveys. That's, you know, it only works if it's masterful storytelling. And, you know, Titanfall 2 has a really damn good plot for being a really straightforward, stupid action game at, at heart. Like it actually really like I I got more worked up at the end of that than I have for many other AAA epic type of games, uh, just really because sad. of that structure.
0: Yeah, it's really sad that it, it shook out the way it did in reality. Because you know, playing that playing that like eight hour long like you know single player mission, I was like, holy moly! Like I got more out of this than a lot of games where I spent forty or fifty hours on. You know.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, at the same point, uh, eventually that game did get released for free or really cheap on a lot of different, um, on a lot of different uh, consoles. And, and so I think a lot of people eventually got to experience the story. And it all worked out for the studio because they released Apex Legends on that, which has become you know, one of the most lucrative games of the last several years. So I think everybody won. It just took a little bit longer for it all to coalesce.
2: There's always a chance to, I mean, there's a very, very realistic possibility that the next FromSoft game is them reviving the Armored Core series, which was another mech type game that was disbanded years ago. So, um, you know, I, I keep hearing very... Me and Dave were talking about that, this exact same thing earlier today. We were, we were in the car chatting about,
1: hey, is Armored Core coming back?
2: Yeah, I mean, I keep hearing some very credible rumors about that. So, I mean, if they're willing to revive that franchise, then I see no reason why, you know, coming off the success of Apex that they maybe don't get another shot at uh, bringing back Titanfall. But um, before we run off too much into a different tangent there, Dave, you know, coming off another robot companion, or I don't even know if she's a robot, but I do have to ask, like, Cortana, does she make your list? Or, you know... Because Cortana? I also know that that's gone through different waves based on how many of the different versions of Halo you played.
0: Uh, Cortana like was an afterthought, honestly, and wasn't until Jack mentioned Cortana is when, you know, it's like, oh yeah, Cortana. But I mean, how does she compare to like BT? You know, like, I don't think she really does. I mean, she does stuff, but. It's not to the same degree, you know. It's like, hey, I'm gonna shut these shields down so you can go attack this point, you know. But does she like throw you across the universe into a halo? No,
1: she doesn't. I mean,
0: that just goes back to what we've been saying. So
1: many of our examples are from the last, you know, seven, eight years, and that is because really that's kind of this advent advance of of AI that. Let's these characters not only shine in cutscenes, but also in in gameplay as well and i think that really kind of um elevates a lot of these a lot of these sidekicks into things that we care about on an emotional level and like think back of like whoa that was a really you know uh well-developed character
2: and i think too some of it's how how it's conveyed and like the pacing of the game, I think is really important. Like there's a character, Captain Price, uh, from the Call of Duty franchise that he's been in a vast majority of the ones that aren't centered on the World War II. And even, I think he's in one of the World War II games even, but he's the one with the mutton chops and he's he's more or less the main character and you never play as him. He's always kind of the one who's going through the missions with you. But the problem is like, I've played a lot of those games, like more than I care to admit, And I've quite frankly, like barely notice him because those games are just so frantic and you barely are paying attention to really anything beyond run, strafe and shoot and kill. Like, so, you know, I get why he's there to advance the plot, but you don't get those like nice moments to breathe and actually appreciate this character and what you're going through with them. Like you contrast that with Garrus in you know, Mass Effect series, who you know, some people may find Garrus to be very boring, but his presence is such an welcoming figure after a while, because as you progress through those games, it's like just having this steadfast, like sidekick throughout that, like you just like realize, and they have such a cool moment in the end of the third one where they kind of bond together him and Shepard, depending on how you play it, of course, but of just kind of like having that last moment of just realizing like everything they've gone through to get to it. Like that's, to me, I guess only works because of all those long stretches where you just have mini little dialogue sessions where you have moments where you walk along. Even the crap plumber talked about with the Guardians of the Galaxy with those therapy sessions. If the game's done right, that actually adds up and really helps you create a bond versus just a character who appears in the periphery and all these action set pieces that you know it doesn't really feel like you're experiencing anything other than they just happen to be in your range of view the whole game. So
0: um I, I know we discussed uh well part of this is supposed to be bad sidekicks and um i i don't want to push this off the good ones uh have you gone through like your list of sidekicks i feel like all three of us have but
2: yeah absolutely
0: so you know i it was something that you know we we really got tipped off on like probably about 30 minutes before we even started this. And, you know, I was like, wow, I don't know if there's any really bad ones. There's none that were like standouts, like the three I mentioned, or, you know, the ones that everyone here mentioned, but, uh, I- I'm going to put these guys on the list. It's pretty Brad, but any, Bethesda companion or sidekick is horrible um Lydia for example loved to stand in doorways and it was always such a struggle to get out you know to get her to move you had to like go through all these different steps to get her to get out of the way uh she died often to the point where like I knew I I would almost have to make a save after I've just cleared a small room in a dungeon because she has all my stuff you know and that's <laughs> how I is like portable destructive storage you know that just walks around with me And, you know, my favorite out of all of them was Strong from Fallout 4 because I haven't played too many Bethesda games, but, you know, the milk of human kindness, you know, and the fact that he's able to carry so much and I just gave him a big hammer. And most of the time I just sent him into a crowd first just to see how he'd react. But I mean, all those Bethesda companions, sometimes they're looking away from you when they talk. Sometimes they're standing in your way. Sometimes they kill you if you give them the wrong weapon. So I, I would definitely like to nominate any Bethesda companion as the worst sidekick that you could possibly have.
2: <laughs> I can't argue with that at all, because those those are the epitome of terrible sidekicks. Um, a close runner-up, I guess, would be Resident Evil sidekicks. I feel like anytime time you're saddled with having to take care of a character in those games, it's awful just lots of slowdown and really just takes you out of the whole element of the game. Um, And and I think that I appreciate where we are in gaming, that we are starting to see less and less of those terrible sidekicks that really just like, all they do is hinder your experience throughout. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I definitely understand the pack using them as a pack meal mentality as well. Like I said, that's what pissed me off so much. And fallout 2 when the super mutant would just mow down whatever character i had loaded up with all my equipment and then i have to go unload it all and now i'm over encumbered and can't fast travel it's bullshit yeah
0: um and then one i i looked up a list and i was like i haven't played that game i don't know this character but someone mentioned the marines from halo 2 and just just how bad those guys are too (laughs) They pick up the worst weapons you're like why are you picking up this like little plasma pistol when there's like a sniper rifle next to you like come on dude get with it we're storming a beach
2: (laughs) jack you have any terrible uh sidekicks that come to mind
1: no i'm bummed i'm i'm underprepared i'm the whole time i was kind of aiming for this pot. i was just thinking like best sidekicks so since you shot me that text earlier i didn't really have a chance to like go through my games and and, and I know they're they're out there because I remember playing games where I was just very frustrated with the AI uh of certain characters, but I can't think of a good example. So
0: I got a question. I never played the Arkham games. Uh was there ever a point where like Joker became your sidekick or you played as Joker or something like that? I think was in,
2: it, in DLC
1: he's I believe he is in your head as like a um Okay,
0: but he's not like working with Batman.
1: No, in fact, he's like a negative presence that's like manipulating, and I don't even know, it it might just be a figment of of your uh, imagination based around like Scarecrow's gas or something. I forget what the exact plot point is. It's been so many years.
2: Yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't recall a moment where you actually work side by side, like you do missions for him, more or less, and the only sidekick I in I use that hesitantly as Catwoman. And even then, like that's less a sidekick and more just a character that you play as a few missions, honestly, or at least that was well, how I felt. There are some missions in one of them where
1: um you're solving Riddler's puzzles and you actually work in tandem with Catwoman to go through quite a quite a number of puzzles. I don't think I ever completed them all. But um, you could say that's a sidekick, although there's just not worth really getting into in this pod for, for the sake that there's just so many better examples.
2: Well, I think that we'll come back to this one more or less, it, it, be it in terrible sidekicks or even just maybe ones we missed, because obviously we you know, have more thoughts on this. I do want to leave with one that's probably one of my Hall of Fame terrible ones, And that is that damn dog from duck hunt because (laughs) the amount of times with that dog that I tried to shoot it when it's laughing at me for missing the target. Like it's no wonder that like, I grew up to love games like grand theft auto, where if somebody like cuts you off or yells at you, you can just get out of the car and pummel them. Like, because that was me unleashing all of that hatred I had for that dog years and years ago with that terrible pixelated pixel hated screen buckshot or whatever the hell you're doing uh always stood out to me as just the worst of the worst
0: uh when i recall back in probably like 88 when i got my first nintendo um uh, my dad took an interest in duck hunt because you know he's in the military and he's like oh i'll, I'll check this out and he would miss and the dog would come up and he'd start trying to shoot the dog You'd be like, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, you you share that frustration with a man who is like now in his mid sixties and hates that dog as well, and that's the only video game I think he's ever played in his life. So,
2: yeah, well, I'm nice. It's no, nice to no, know that's where I am.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I think that's just a shared. Anybody who from who played video games in that generation can remember that exact like the cheeks jiggling up and down with like the little with the little with the little um, whiskers sticking out and like just yeah it's it's a very distinct image that's seared into my brain
2: (laughs) all right well that to me like i said it is one of my tops gentlemen you have any other last thoughts on sidekicks and video games
0: yeah did anyone think about tails
2: i mean if we were going to go for like true like of the uh, the classics I, I would probably pick tails honestly over luigi for all the reasons that jack said like i'm too old to have experienced the mario games where luigi's either the main character or actually has a different personality other than player two mario so tails felt like a true distinct sidekick and actually uh their appearance in the second sonic was a pretty cool way to introduce a sidekick mechanic and not only make it so you can play as a couch co-op experience, but also play it by yourself and have an excuse to be bailed out if you missed a jump or whatever.
1: Well, I'm pretty stoked because this is couch co-op and I got my homie Dave here. We're going to get these kids to pass out. And then we're going to get down on some video games and, uh, and, and, and do it like it was, uh, 1999.
0: (laughs) Yeah. that's what we're doing tonight. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Although I
1: did do one of those earlier just because I, yeah, it, it, it pained me so much to watch Plummer play play the game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so he's never, I woke up he's imminent
1: you. death. No, I was asleep. I just woke up and I saw you were about to die, so I had to bail you out. And I, He only made it like another four floors because he dug himself such a hole
0: he uh, <laughs> woke up and then he was like no I do this and i'm like what? I'm
2: and that right there is why we love video games
0: <laughs> jack is a bad sidekick
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right well with all that being said this has been couch co-op a video game podcast thank you so much for listening take care